You know, Wichita was just home for me. I could never, <laughs> I'm going to say it probably, man, I could never live anywhere else. I lived all around the world with different people from those countries, and I never found people better than the people here in Wichita. And that's real. I'm going to Wichita. I'm just a boy from Kansas. Mom, mom, I said to run with the law. Welcome back to another episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Today's sponsor is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. It's officially spring, and Il Primo always has delicious, fun, seasonal drinks like the Funky Monkey Mocha or the Island Getaway Granita. Stop by Il Primo today to start or finish your day off right. Today's guest is Corleone Young. Corleone is one of just 41 basketball players to go straight from high school to the NBA. We talk all about Wichita, Biddy Ball, his career growing up in town, playing at East, playing at Hargrave Academy, and then making the decision to jump to the pros. We talk all about his time in the NBA, time overseas, NIL, name image likeness, and the one and done rule that so often brings up his name. For an even deeper look at Corleone's inspiring story, I highly recommend his book, One and Done. Enjoy my conversation with Corleone Young. All right, I'm here with Corleone Young. How are you doing, Corleone? I'm doing good, big dog. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good to see you. You too. Got so. a nice building, nice studio. Oh, I like yeah. this. Beautiful studio, Troy Trussell, Trussell Media. Um, so I just came across your story. I don't even remember how I came across it, but I didn't know about you until last year sometime, which I think is a shame because I think you have a really cool story. You made it to the league. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's motivating for Wichita. Uh, a Wichita kid can make it. Um, so really, I and then I think we ran into each other. Any kid can make it. Oh, for sure. Anywhere. This is the the Wichita Life podcast, so we'll give some uh, inspiration. We got to um, shout out ICT. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, if you were to introduce yourself, who who is Corleone Young? He is a strong. Had to grow and develop that strong will minded meaning, that being able to go into a tunnel vision and focus personnel, um, very giving and motivating of people. I've been a people person. I don't know if it's just from being an only child and not having mm-hmm. siblings, but I mean, I take attached to people that I meet. Um, some people would say he's very open, mm-hmm. you know, under certain understandings and, of course, relationships. Mm-hmm. Who walks up to a stranger and spills it? But that's when you're doing your motivational speak. Mm-hmm. So that's the Corleone that you have right now. It's developed into a, a hope and pray. Uh, what you would call it. I'm trying to find a perfect word to just kill the podcast, but um, enduring, man. Every day he's the most enduring individual because when you do some of the things I've done in basketball, you're never going to be out of the talk. Mm-hmm. Basketball will be played forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the different situations that I went through with basketball still go on now. And so it's just a recurring door. So I hope that I can be some of motivation to people also, not just in basketball, but like we started off just kidding. Any kid can make it. Yeah. I mean, I think that day in the incubator room, December 31st, 1978, I always make this analogy to just how if you're good to yourself and good to God and good to people around you, in that incubating room, you know, he's just going around saying, okay, he's going to be a doctor, he's going to be a lawyer. <laughs> He just hit my hand and said he's going to play basketball. Sure. So, you know. Sure. Uh, I think one of the things that stood out, so I 
was meaning to reach out to you for a while, and then I saw you at the Hoop Jam game that Festive ICT put yeah. on, and we were walking out. I'm like, I gotta, gotta shoot my shot, and it took me a while to actually get you on the podcast. So on my fault, drop the ball. You gave me your number right away. But I think one of the things that stood out when I first met you was how intentional you were. Like, I mean, obviously looking me in the eye, but like made me feel special in the 20 seconds that we talked. Well, I, and, I knew, I knew about the podcast. Yeah, and I appreciate that. It, I mean, I had seen it, um, and that event was there as a like a a motivating event. It was for kids, mm -hmm. you know. And so for you to be there, I knew where your heart was. So when we, outside, I had, I see your sweatshirt, you were wearing it. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, listen, good podcast. Keep doing it. You know, use it for the right purpose, man. Absolutely. And it's to bring people together to break barriers, build bridges and all that, you know. So mm -hmm. when you asked me to come on, I was like, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I want to start off, I mean, your time in Wichita growing up. Um, I know you're Wichita native. I think that's awesome. Um, but first, before we get to that, what was your first basketball goal made out of? I listened to a lot of podcasts, read some interviews. And I have to honestly be honest, my grandpa, mm -hmm. he built one. So he, you know, got a uh, huge stud and he went and bought a wooden, like a plywood, but a thicker mm -hmm. grade, squared it. Bought a rim, hammered it, he painted it all white, concreted it, put mm -hmm. two uh two pillars to hope to help stand it, you know, man, and I, that was my first goal. That's awesome. Besides hangers in the house and mm -hmm. uh playing on the closet door uh -huh. outside, that was it. And it. he set that thing in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. And from that it was over. When did you fall in love with basketball? I always loved it from like I started playing when I was five. Yeah. I started playing bitty when I was five. So five years old, I mean, I loved the game. My older cousins played. So I seen them playing. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you, you brought up bitty ball. So I played a, cu a couple of years of bitty ball. So I grew up out in Andover. So I played in the Andover Rec League, which the level of competition is <laughs> a lot different than bitty ball. Um, and my first. Uh, they, they do like their preseason tournament and there's right, like, right. I think it's blue one, blue two, red one, red two, whatever, right. the way they had it structured back right. in the day. And uh, we definitely should have been in like, I don't know, red two maybe. We were in the preseason tournament. You had to push yourself. We, we did, but so the first game, we played a team, they only had four guys, the fifth guy didn't show up, so they had to forfeit, but we went ahead and played the game anyways. We still got smacked by about 30. <laughs> and so then we played an even better team and I remember their name, they were called the Wizards. And for whatever reason, I think this was sixth grade, I think, uh, I think we were playing on a nine foot goal for some reason whatever but these kids were dunking every well, other other every other play and biddy remember how it was you there was a height limit so when we owned biddy i had to stop playing in the fifth grade due to the height limit oh see, i didn't know so that was my okay. yeah i mean you know i grew up playing fifth grade i mean five years old uh -huh. five and six seven and eight nine and ten and when it came to 11 and 12 i only got to play one to my fifth grade year and so this is when i started playing in the park board but you used to play Biddy up until the sixth grade, I believe, mm -hmm. or seventh, because mm -hmm. you only could play eighth grade basketball there. Right, right. And so they used to try to traditionally bring you up on the standardization nationally of the goals. So it would go from like seven uh, I got to you. eight and a half. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, six, six foot, uh -huh. five and six. Uh -huh. Remember, the, 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 all the refs were taller than the goals mm -hmm. in the five and six because that's just a six foot goal. Sure. And then you go over there seven foot then it went to eight and a half mm -hmm. so um that's why you were playing on that seemed that, like that makes sense goal. but they were dunking all over us and it right. was it was ugly but 
It was fun though. That was a good time. Biddy was a great program. Yeah. Do you know, like, is there anything like that today? I mean, yeah. they have AU or whatever else, but nothing like Biddy is. What there. has happened, if you have to be honest, is the why came mm. and kind of capitalized on that version of it. Mm. Organized fellowship. Sure. But it took the sports in a different turn. Well, I think the, one of the coolest parts was like you walk in the lobby and it's like all of the names and like the records and the winning teams and the pictures. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like a little time. It capsule. was the best. Was it was awesome. the best fundamentally bringing kids up, but it was something deeper socially. But mm-hmm. we couldn't even see. I don't even know if our parents seen it. Right. It was socially diverse in those kids together. Yeah. Salvation Army wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. They know what humanity requires. Right. It requires kids growing up together, learning together playing together. Mm-hmm. So even though the East and the West side were separated because, and that was due to, uh, you know, geographical issues with mm-hmm. parents going to that side of town every, you know. Sure. Town was much smaller than either. Wichita was smaller. Yeah. So, but it, what it did was it built kids up in a competitive nature, one, two, but it taught the advancement. Mm-hmm. Fair playing fields, you know. The why is Something that tried to fill that void, like I say, but it's hard to step in those shoes. It's oh, hard. For sure, yeah. So they do try. They have competitive leagues. They have the non-competitive mm-hmm. for the beginners. So yeah, somewhere for them to play, somewhere for something for them to do. I mean, you can't complain. Right. Yeah. For but sure. it's never gonna be like it was. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was. I mean, I was definitely towards the tail end of it, but that was those were good times. Man, I used to love the banquets. Mm-hmm. Right across the street, Century mm-hmm. 2, you come in and see parents get there three, four hours early and they bought the bouquets and they've had all these meetings and they, you bring this, you bring that, I bring this, and they just put together these masterpieces. And remember, they would judge on mm-hmm. the highest balloon to the top. You know, it sure. was just something that, but at that time, everybody got rewarded, which is not something that I'm just pushing, but... We were all in the same building together. Yeah. You competed together, but then you fellowshiped and celebrated together. Mm-hmm. There was no team had their own. You know, we're going to bring all the food to the banquet. We're going to bring the cake, and then we're going to do it there. Mm-hmm. And so some teams used to say, well, we're going to do it bigger than them this year. <laughs> you know, so and it just, I mean, it brings that spirit. Sure. That's sports. Yeah, I love it. Hopefully something kind of steps in and. Builds some community like that because I think that was special. What's, what's going to happen is these kids are getting much younger. Well, I don't know how much of the feeder system will grow mm-hmm. in what direction, uh, the why. If there's something else that comes along, that'll just be a division of competitive versus feet, you know, mm-hmm. academy level stepping up, which is that's how it should be. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when did you start playing like AAU ball or like when did you start like, traveling? We started traveling sixth grade, seventh, but then I really started traveling in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I played on the 17 and under team with Gary Cundiff was our coach uh, with Chuck Gunner and D'Angelo Evans and Sean Rhodes, my boy Brendan Lipton, um, John Rapp. Uh, man, we had a squad. <laughs> I mean, we. Re- I mean, you know, the best in Wichita. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If, if somebody was on All City first team, um, there were a couple of players that went and played out of Kansas City then. Mm-hmm. But that was my first year playing on seventeen and under. We went to travel around. 
the nation. We finished up in like a Long Beach tournament, which was called the finale and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is where I kind of got a name, got yeah. ranked in the nation. And the real, real, real journey started then. Mm-hmm. Probably around my eighth grade year. Okay. Where did you go to middle school at? Robinson. Robinson. Okay. That makes sense. I went to Mueller and yeah. Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess how different was like high school ball versus AAU ball? Because like AAU, obviously you're traveling, playing these other kids, which was probably the, I mean, like Night and day. the best kids in which Now you can't tell because they they all look like, even the high school looks like some AAU, the way they just play now. But mm-hmm. traditionally it was just two totally different concepts and mindsets. Mm-hmm. One required this mindset in the summer and one required high school room mindset required your coach's mindset you better be on point with what we're doing here sure and combining those two was tough and hard rest in peace coach allen was the best to do it i mean not just because he was my coach and of course i'm arguably the best but he showed people how to combine the two mm-hmm. i traveled the nation traveled everywhere yeah and came back to east and still was able to be successful on the same level mm-hmm. that we were nationally. We actually took our East High team to St. Louis nationally, competed against the top 25. Mm-hmm. I think we got up to number 12 in the nation or between 12 to 15, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we had jumped up to the top 15 in the nation, and we were just a high school. There was a lot yeah. of prep schools yeah, yeah. and all these big schools. We were just East High. That's pretty cool. And we went to St. Louis, a KMOX tournament, in the Kiel Center, mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we represented, we put it down. And so this is where it kind of like, some people won't understand where the basketball in Wichita started to make a change. Mm-hmm. But it was after my seniors, juniors, years like that, that brought the hype to this city, mm-hmm. showcasing, man, that's where Corleone is from. Gotta be more. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just, it opened it. And now, now we had players that were able to have success even to this day. Mm-hmm. But at one point in time, Wichita was just the city along the Bible Belt mm-hmm. on the way to Kansas City and on the way to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And they jumped and skipped and hopped over it and disrespected it for years. Mm-hmm. And I still to this day get people in my inbox and when I go places say, man, you know, not just thank you, but bro, you really, because to this day, Wichita is now really known. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, we put out some players. Perry Nim, Gavin Thurman. Oh, yeah. Jalen. I mean, just year after year, especially at East, Jawanza Poland. I mean, it just – but to to be able to, I guess what you would say, kind of like piggyback on Adrian Griffin's success mm-hmm. because he was the GOAT. He was my GOAT. I was like, man, I don't be like him. Mm-hmm. We used to watch him. I used to watch him on TV at Seton Hall. <laughs> and, you know, um, so that's where I just said, you know what? That's what I want to do. Just what I want to do. And, of course, with people, good people around you, um, a strong community like I got, mm-hmm. you will make it mm-hmm. if you believe. Absolutely. I think something that Wichita does need to do a better job of, though, is, I mean, one, just highlighting who those kids are and then players are like, again, I, I moved to Wichita in 2001, and so I was pretty young. So, like, I, I kind of missed your era. Um, Where'd you come from? 
uh, originally I was from Omaha, but I moved when I was like 10. So like Wichita Andover is home, but I just, I kind of missed that. So I'd never Mm -hmm. heard your story. Um, but like, there's a lot of those stories that people don't hear about. Like Avin Thurman, like he was a great player, came through Wichita. He's all American. Yeah, exactly. And then like, I don't know, maybe it was highlighted. I missed it, but it's like, that should be a way bigger deal. We should be like corralling the young kids to like be hyping up these guys because they deserve it. It's kind of where in Wichita. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think it no, starts I'm about here. to say this for Wichita because yeah, I yeah. can speak yeah, yeah. for it. It's the even playing field syndrome in this area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's that even playing field push and so you will have kids in certain in certain situations that i mean he's, he's, he's all the he's ranked he's this he's that but you should hear about him every week i mean how could we not write about the best player in the state mm-hmm. but then they spread it out we have to give a little bit to the area guys if you look at that vibe magazine mm-hmm. it covers more area it covers more suburban and around wichita than wichita anything I mean, they print the paper here. It's located from here, I think. I mean, I'm not going there, but sure. I was always t- taught to take care of home. So that's why when I retired, I came back and started to teach, mm-hmm. show, train, and just be around. One of the biggest things I felt and I thought that was big for me was I got to touch a lot of successful people. Mm-hmm. I really did. Scott Thompson. Shouts out to that coach he was with at Wichita State. Scott Thompson is an older coach. Mm-hmm. Gave me my first scholarship, really. I used to walk from 24th and Lorraine in the eighth grade and go watch them, seventh grade, and go watch them play mm-hmm. upstairs. This, watch, listen to this. Now I go get a ticket, walk through that little tunnel, walk in there, and I used to, and this is the old Henry Levitt Arena. No Coke renovations, none mm-hmm. of that, man. I'm coming here. I used to say that. Mm-hmm. Swear to God. I never used to say I want to, I'm going to be a Jayhawk. I'm go, no, no. When I first I'm going to go to Wichita State. You know why? Because those players used to come up to Mueller Elementary and play on the playground. Jamie Flowers, Big John Smith. I could got to touch them. Mm-hmm. Jamie Flowers gave me a jersey. I said, man, it's over. I'm going, I'm going to the league. I'm going to be better than Antoine Carr. I'm going to be better than Livingston. You know, just mm-hmm. motivating me. No disrespect at all. That's what I was saying as a child. Yeah. I want to be that great. And we always talk about to this day how many hometown players have signed to Wichita State. Mm-hmm. How many leave. But the big question we never really understood was why. Mm-hmm. If he's good enough to play at Oklahoma State, if he's good enough to play the OU, we let Taj get out of here. Brandon Polk, Jawan's a Poland. I can go down a list. They became all Americans. Jawan's a Poland was a all American in the Big East. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these are your big. These are your Missouri Valley titles. I don't know if it wasn't a good look to recruit right. at home. I don't know if the alumni and the backing, what we call the foundation, mm-hmm. which means money was like, ah, oh, we, we want to go in a different look. The look was right in front of your face the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now, with NIL, our great athletes say, well, you know, we got to learn from Corleone Young. Now. 
they didn't even really give them the love they deserve. Mm -hmm. And all those kids, guys that came behind him, Laverne Smith, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown went to be All-American at Arkansas Little Rock. Played overseas for 15 years. Got records from Wichita. Mm -hmm. You would have to find it in the littlest of little print about that type of player because you just look and wash them right over. Right. But I feel exactly like you feel. I'm passionate about that. That if you take care of home, home will always come back. Teach, train, give it back. Well, that's another sad valley of the shadow of death, but nobody really comes back. Mm -hmm. Some of our young football players are leading the way right now. Devontae Harris, the Brown brothers came back training mm -hmm. like crazy. The big Randall, John Randall, mm -hmm. he's training. His son is a man child. He's about mm -hmm. to go to Utah, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, you said, I didn't know. Yeah. Avery Johnson from Mays. Mm -hmm. Dylan Edwards at Colorado. I think this last class had about 10 to 15 guys. Uh, the kid that's going to Ohio State, I mean, Iowa State. Mm -hmm. 6'5", 240 pounds, dunked the basketball standing there. Mm -hmm. I mean, these kids will be drafted in the next two to three years. So, like, right now, Wichita should be realizing that this is how we capitalize. It's how we build mm -hmm. what's coming. Embrace what's here now. Mm -hmm. Make them superstars. The superstars of today will touch the superstars of tomorrow. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard... Um, I don't know if it's through the grapevine, but like I know, like Jordan Phillips from Circle or Devonte, like Big Devonte, uh, Devonte Harris, yeah, yeah and yeah. Jordan. Now, yeah, I forgot about Big Jordan. Yeah, Big Jordan. So I played him in high school, and he was a big old boy back then too. Um, but it's like, do the are these guys getting the love they deserve? I, I don't, I don't think so. Well, this so. is I don't the know, thing, but. man. When when you go play, you know, nine times out of ten, and some people will say it. And I kind of feel like him, like, I just know this for me. Mm -hmm. Like, when I go somewhere else, Kansas City, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Houston, mm -hmm. and get across country, I mean, I almost get more love when I go away mm -hmm. than I do here. Sure. And, I mean, some of that I know what it comes with. Right, right. And that's fine. I mean, you know, we all were young. A lot of mine comes with the decision I made. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't traditional for this area. Mm -hmm. He's going to do what? Yeah. If tennis, soccer, golf, I mean, look at all these sports, NASCAR, I mean, racing. Mm -hmm. You got 16-year-old, 17-year-old endorsed, but where is basketball going to? The same concept and model. Mm -hmm. Kids are going to stay in school for four years now for the NIL. Right. Why would I leave? Yeah. I'm getting 1.1 yeah. a year. I mean, coach, I think we can win the national title this, this next year. I'm going to stay. But here's what's the catch. If this guy coming in is more marketable, mm -hmm. is more appealing, they're going to pay him the 1.1. Mm -hmm. And the transport portal is going to be like, and the next pick goes to, it'll be like a draft. It'll oh, be a draft sure. within itself. Yeah. Do you see where I was going? What I'm oh, saying? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, that was one of the things I wanted to get your opinion on was the NIL. And, Love it. Because yeah. I, I mean, pfft. I love it. I mean, mm -hmm. what we went through playing AAU basketball and 
I didn't, but a lot of my friends, because they competed in college athletics and allegations and things like that just ruined their reputations. Sure. And I wouldn't be insanely blind to say that it didn't affect me and my sitting in front of general managers and sitting in front of uh, vice presidents. But the truth of the fact is that those players have a civil right and a worth. And it's sad that now they're measuring it in money. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kids are suffering from depression and stuff due to this, mm-hmm. and which causes them to make sometimes irrational decisions. And mm-hmm. because when you're not properly uh, releasing these things, talking about these things, but steadily learning the curve of depression, mm-hmm. how to stay on top of that curve. It's like a wave. Sure. You, you, you know, when you get down here, you got to stay with your technique and fundamentals to come up out of that part. But then you see when he come out, he got another one. That's when he say he just riding the wave. Mm-hmm. But he's, control, he's in control of the being on, this, on the board. So it's something I learned that you know, life is wavy. You just want to be able to control and capitalize the decisions in between those waves to help you deal with when the wave comes. And these kids, I mean, imagine the 12th man on the bench. Mm-hmm. Good universities say, hey, listen, everybody gets the same thing. That's what I would say. Because if you're at the end, man, we're all getting 450 grand, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, Kick, yeah. Kicker is. Now kicker is the most is important, but I mean let's you know we got kicker. Kicker's got a a Porsche. <laughs> right. Kicker got a Pandemera. Mm-hmm. You know kicker oh, yeah. is kicker's in the weight room now. Uh-huh. Kicker's tatted up. Not saying that those things bring sure, that, sure. but what I'm saying is things have moved into a different tradition. Mm-hmm. And you know before the kicker never partied with the, you know, he take care of the offensive line. Uh huh. Now kicker's leading the way. Oh, yeah. Because the NIL shows worth to everyone. Mm-hmm. So you want to attract those really high-value athletes because his personal NIL is totally different. But the school? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the first ones I heard was like, I think it was UT, Texas. They were offering like their whole offensive line was going to get a hundred grand a piece or whatever it is, which you, like you mentioned across the board. I'm like, that's awesome. That's minimum. Cool. Just yeah, minimum. minimum. And that's a, I mean, they can get their personal stuff or that personal stuff. I'm told. Yeah, can, oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, here's where <clears throat> I encourage every athlete that I work with to think entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. You have to with your life, with your person, you know, with your character, who you are, not selling yourself, but keep yourself with a high value and worth. Mm-hmm and capitalize on it for sure be involved in the community you know how i say if you give it it'll come back tenfold you, mm-hmm. and, and that's true and so a lot of these athletes are being rewarded for things we haven't seen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah my, my brother uh my youngest brother peyton he won a, a national championship at garden city juco and then went and played three years at missouri state but he was done uh, three years ago now. So he just missed the NIL by about a year, year and a half. And he's like, man, if I could have just been that close. Oh, because Missouri State. Yeah. I mean, that's a D2. That's a strong, is it? Uh, FCS, F- yeah. F- yeah. D1, FCS. Yeah, yeah. F- yeah okay. Yeah. So that football, they play South Dakota State. Oh, yeah. North Dakota State. North, North Dakota, Dakota State, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that's, that is a strong. So, yeah, he missed it. Just that man. much. Yeah, he was he was close, but. Now it's interesting, like, 
I don't know if I ever watched. I watched a little bit of a friend of mine, uh, Tiffany Bias, played at Oklahoma State. So I watched a little bit of women's basketball growing up in college basketball. But I watched the national championship this last year because it was just Caitlin Clark yeah, and the LSU. And, and then I just saw uh, the girl from LSU, or, uh, from Louisville, Haley Van, whatever her name is. She, she just transferred she's to LSU. Going to LSU. And I'm like, man, this, again, the transfer portal, NIL, like, there are like Angel Reese is already about to get paid, paid if she's not already winning the national title and like just has like the charisma to do that. And it's interesting now they're teaming up and you got and you're more than a basketball player, man. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like it because you can ex you should be able to express yourself in certain ways and certain doing certain things. Now this will show that these basketball players have is much more to them than what we've even man been giving these guys a chance and gals mm -hmm. a chance. But going back on uh, talking about that real quick, what well, I wanted yeah, yeah. to let people across the across the country know, because I know how big this podcast is, that when the state colleges do well, ups the recruiting for the players in that state, mm -hmm. because that state will have a lot of players like LSU, some girls from LSU from the state of Louisiana on that team, been born, bred, and fed right there in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. That contributed to the championship. So, what I'm saying is, put pressure on your state schools. Put pressure on them. How you do that? Stay in the gym. Mm -hmm. Make every state school offer you. You know what? Yeah. It's a tough road. If I could start with getting all my state schools, go to their camps. Mm -hmm. You go to their camp, tear the camp up. Like, really. If it's like, man, there's not going to be any good players there. Okay, fine. Watch what I'm going to go up there and show. Yeah. Show the killer instinct. Just do what you got to do. And then once you get and cover your state, like sometimes some kids are looking for offers and you look for in-state first. That's mm -hmm. where you stay. Right. But now we already know a lot of universities are bi-coastal. Mm -hmm. They recruit. But I'm saying for a player that's looking to find a school, Go to those camp, those college camps and stuff like that. Go to those camps. You almost got to market yourself. Use Instagram for the right reason. Yep. Do that. Trust me, it will be seen. Mm -hmm. I mean, they the universities have recruiting. It takes, and they specifically look at the social media. Mm -hmm. Man, we haven't seen this kid. Have you heard about this kid? It just, and that's how we got to go see him. And he's more than just a dunker. Right. I mean, he's, how old is he? 16, he's 6'4 and a half, 6'5. He's probably going to be a two-guard. Sure. So that's oh, kind of how it works. For sure. Um, all right, getting back to your career. Right, right. Uh, high school ball. I, I, was, I don't know if I heard this on an interview or read it somewhere, but your first game you played as a freshman, you were off the bench, but you had like yeah. 27 points. And so. I didn't get to start, not just. Learning, yeah, oh yeah. But my family went out of town for Chris. I mean, for Thanksgiving, uh -huh. and so I just—I don't even know what I was thinking. I just announced to coach, "Hey, coach, I'm probably going to be going with my family out of town for Thanksgiving." And he said, "Okay, yeah, we'll we're going to practice." I said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna miss that one." But so he didn't start me. Mm -hmm. Taught me a little lesson. Yeah, checked me in real early, and then said, "Go do your thing." Yeah, yeah. Another lesson, I mean, Ron Allen, I think, 
again, rest in peace, but and I never knew him, but like I've heard so many good things through, I mean, what the Eagle covered, but then like he stories of people that played for him. Yeah. He was loud. He was stern, very vocal, you know, but he would teach you what and why. Mm-hmm. And so I valued him. Absolutely. My whole career, we always talked. And, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's special, a special bond. Um, so you, I mean, having a great career up at East, what was the decision to go to Hargrove? I was just leaning to get better uh, test scores, yeah, SAT scores, just to get better SATs. GPA was pretty good. Just wanted to up my test scores and be able to be a qualifier with no question. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the summer, you play in in front of all the prep schools. I mean, all of the coaches travel Mm -hmm. from college, high school coaches go watch these, and prep school, junior colleges. Mm -hmm. And so there's a prep school called Hargrave that it just approached us. It was actually after the Nike camp, mm-hmm. uh, my junior year, the Nike camp, I did really good. And so they were like, you know, man, his senior year, what's he thinking about doing? Is he thinking about coming out? And so like, no, nah, never. Obviously, he, probably, he likes Georgetown. Mm-hmm. I liked UConn and I liked Arkansas. So I mainly went to Hargrave to get better test scores, smaller class setting, Great instructors, strict discipline, mm-hmm. getting ready for college. The discipline <laughs> is the, whew. and the discipline is not as far as a physical discipline. Yeah, It is physical, meaning what you won't be required to do. But the discipline is challenging yourself to accept this change mm-hmm. and discipline. Five in the morning, like getting up at five. You know, people how do you get up so early? I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, been doing it. Is that something you knew you needed? Going or is that something that just kind of came along with it once you Opportunity started? came yeah. along. Say, hey, look, how's your test scores? I had pretty good. Could be a little better. Where are you thinking about going to school? Said all the schools. He's like, you know, you're going to need strong SAT. ACT is mm-hmm. all right, but you got to have that S so you can travel all across the country, the world with it. Yeah. So I went to Hargrave and, man, that was it. Went mm-hmm. there. I actually like, like I fell in love with it. Of yeah. course, I was homesick because sure. I was away from home. Yeah. At a certain point, but once we settled in, all the um, postgraduates and seniors is all together. Mm-hmm. They keep all the older guys together. So, I'm here with the football team. We had a postgraduate football team, so we were all on one dorm room, mm-hmm. one barrack floor. So we just, I mean, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with each other, like, you know, it's college kind of. So mm-hmm. it became fun. Yeah. And I had a great season. Um, we had a great team. And I just got the opportunity from there. Hargrave was something that opened up a lot of the other stuff mm-hmm. that happened after the season. As far as being a McDonald's All-American, mm-hmm. I think I probably would have still beaten one if I would have stayed here at, in Wichita. Mm-hmm. But this is a point where, like, there hadn't been one. Right, right. Since, was he Ricky Rose? Greg Dryling. Yeah, Greg Dryling. Mm-hmm. Says it was Ricky Ross, Antoine Carr, Aubrey Sherrod, Darnell Valentine, mm-hmm. Greg Dryling, and me. Mm-hmm. And so, what's that, 20, <laughs> sure. 20-something years? Yeah. And so, 
Um, that's what was Hargrave was for. It was a step to make the future more realistic mm -hmm. of my goals I had. Sure. And, and what was the big goal at that point? I mean, making it to the league, but was it like, I don't know. I, well, wanna, I, I, wanna... I, I had pictured I was probably going to have to go to college first. Sure. I mean, so going to college. Mm -hmm. I was going to refuse to sit out and be like a prop 48 and right. have to sit out eight games. I didn't even want to sit out that. Mm -hmm. So Hargrave was where I went there, got the heavy ACT prepping. This is when I learned what ACT prepping was. Mm -hmm. Get ACT foundation building, you know, on tips, pointers, how to take the test, mm -hmm. the methods, you know. Oh, yeah. So you probably you scored pretty good on yours? I did. So and if you were able to speak to the viewers now, you'd be able to say he's kind of right because – there was a way you had to take that test. Oh, for sure, yeah. How you approach strategy. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, when you learn that, it's kind of like, dang, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so that helped that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, at what point was there like you had a really good game your senior year? Like maybe I could make that jump, or like when, was there like a moment, or was it kind of gradual? What What made you decide to actually make the decision to go pro out of high school? We just had challenges, and I'm gonna just say like when I went there, Nike was pretty much just like you got to dominate. Mm -hmm. dominate nationally. So, I mean, just try to dominate wherever we went. Mm -hmm. Lost one game. Lost one game. Sure did. Early on in the season, like, to what's that? Washington prep. Like some last minute, curl it up. <laughs> really, from yeah, half court, yeah. and it went in. Mm -hmm. and, but the game shouldn't have been that close anyway. Sure. So, that was one of those lessons. And then from there, we just – I remember after them weeks of push-ups and a lot of PT and, you know, we did a lot of physical. Mm -hmm. There I was able to get my body, you know, at 6'7", 230, 225, mm -hmm. strong. Sure. You know, to be able to, if I did go to the NBA or, mm -hmm. but this was a forecasting college mm -hmm. just to get ready. Yeah. So in the, the recent years before that, I wrote a couple down, but like KG, Kobe, Jermaine O'Neal and Trace McGrady were really like the recent guys or like really some of the first. I mean, there had been some guys early, early in on. In 97, it was, yeah. It was Tracy. Tracy. And, and 97. 95, KG, Kobe, 96. Six. Jermaine O'Neal, 96. They were both in 96, yep. yeah. But like, is that kind of what you're like, okay, I could, if they could make that jump, obviously like those are some of the greats, but like if, you, if I can make that jump. What, no, I wasn't really saying that. Because yeah. I mean, I know, I know, rest in peace, new Kobe and I know mm -hmm. Tracy. I mean, I had some knowings of Jermaine O'Neal from camps uh -huh. and knew him also as well. Um, when you see your brother do something successful, of course it motivates you, but it was never just a destination. I got to go to the league at high school. Mm -hmm. If I could, had the opportunity, yeah. Then you always tell yourself, man, I'm going to the league. Mm -hmm. You always tell you that. And this whole community was telling me that from young. Mm -hmm. Man, you're going to be next. And I don't know what they saw in me or what it was, but there was just something that was always with me. You're going to be special. You're going to do this, you know. And it's the people that make you do it. But when I seen those guys doing it, it became really realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, you compare it. You know, mm -hmm. We all play different. Everybody's got their own game. But, I mean, you know, say, I'm just as tall as Tracy and I'm bigger than him. Bigger than Kobe. <laughs> Maybe I can, mm -hmm. you know. 
Start sizing yourself. Like, I got a seven four wingspan too. Hmm. Right. You know? Then you're getting drafted. I mean, I entertained the thought. So the way it happened was, mm-hmm. I made my announcement after graduation. I mean, prior to graduation, right before, because it was at right before the McDonald's All American game, mm-hmm. and uh, went to the McDonald's. Couldn't play as I ruptured and suffered a hematoma. Mm. And I do believe it was after, yeah, it was right after McDonald's I made this announcement. So it's late April, we're about to graduate. So I make the announcement. So I fly back to Kansas City. I was training out of Kansas City, getting ready. Mm -hmm. Lifting weights, uh, had a dietician, was putting on man, protein and (laughs) taking as many pounds as I weigh in protein every day. 300, and I didn't weigh 300 pounds, but sometimes 300 pounds of extra, mm-hmm. just added protein and all the things essential to being able to play at a high level. And when I made the announcement, I didn't, you know, I was being projected in the mid first round to late first round at first. So I was like, maybe I won't have to go to this pre-draft camp. And as time went on, I got a phone call, said, are you ready? What? 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 What did I get picked? They said the draft haven't even happened yet. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna go to the pre-draft camp. I was like, oh, okay, what's that? And then it was explaining like a combine camp. And so, what really happened is I really did good at that camp. Really, I mean, as far as kind of stand out, mm-hmm. because of course I'm the only high schooler that competed in it. Sure. Rashard Lewis and Al Harrington didn't. Now, this can break you, too, though. I mean, you. Right. this could hurt you. Not break you, but it could hurt Expose, your stock. Yeah, it could yeah. hurt your yeah. stock. But I had, I've always had this no hope. I mean, I don't care how old you are, where we're going to play, where. I just asked the coach, what position am I playing? And he was like, you know, can you play small forward? Can you play? I said, yeah. I just got to be playing that in high school. This, mm-hmm. can, you, can you play some power forward and mix it up? I said, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wind up. Starting off playing some power forward. And I think, well, Larry Brown, we had to talk about this is where his interest came into me, just from this one game. Mm-hmm. And he was in Indiana then. I wish Indiana, you know, I'm blessed to be drafted by Detroit. That was also my favorite team mm-hmm. growing up. So I actually got drafted by my favorite team. But if Indiana would have had had the opportunity it would have been maybe more of a fit for me. Sure. But they chose Al. Mm-hmm. So then the picks started coming, then Atlanta came. And I had a good workout in Atlanta, really good workout in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I liked Atlanta too. And then Atlanta took someone. And then picks kept coming in, the 40th pick came, and then I went to Detroit, which was you know, a good fit for mm-hmm. me, I believe. Of course, I mean, I made the team and whatnot. So um, it was never set. I've said this a thousand times so people don't know. We never intended on going to the NBA at high school. The opportunity just came, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you wake up one day and you just say, I'm going to the league out of high school. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I just, just kind of how the decision was made. Like, mm-hmm. Do you want to or not? I'm kind of like, uh, I got some time. You got about two weeks. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's incredible. 
uh, when Indiana and Atlanta passed you up? Is like, well, what's your mindset? Is your heart sinking? A I was having bit, a draft or? party. Yeah. So I had my, uh, so the co-author of my book that I have out, he owned a, a bar there mm-hmm. in the neighborhood of, called Backroads, mm-hmm. right off of 13th and Vesta, okay. across the street from the McDonald's old golf course there. Mm-hmm. And um, we threw a draft party there, with family, friends, my agent, and we're just watching the draft. And so we just was get on, on the phone with some people that were at the draft, because, you know, they're going to know the pick before anybody. And so pick's just going down. You know, of course, he, if anybody say, oh, no, I was just calm, it's because even the first pick is wondering, dang, am I going to go first or not? Who? Right. Because anything could happen. It's really one of those true things. Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Team will tell you we're drafting you, and then they just change their mind mm-hmm. because the opportunity became available. Yeah. And it could be like a crazy angle. They didn't even got anything to do with you. Oh, for sure, yeah. Your draft stock. It's just like you get caught up in a trade mm-hmm. or you get caught up in, you know, so it's kind of like yeah. you just keep your fingers crossed and just say, hey, the work I put in is going to put me where I belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just watching the NFL draft a couple weeks ago, whenever that was, and it was, uh, I think it was the Kentucky quarterback. He was supposed to maybe be the top one or two quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. Ends up sliding to the second round, but it's like, Maybe there's five or ten teams that need a quarterback, but like if somebody if they pick a different quarterback, you might slide another 10, 15, 20 picks just because nobody else needs a quarterback. Because nobody needs a quarterback. Or point guard. It's or not that you're any good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's super interesting. Um, so you make it to the league. Are you? How does how do contracts work? Is it like a one year deal, two year deal? How does that? I was drafting the second round, so it was non guaranteed. Sure. So your agent negotiate, mm-hmm. go back and forth the team, whatever. If you make the team. Now it becomes guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I had to do. I had to make the t- team. You have to go to training camp. You know, they, they invite in probably around 17, 18 guys. Mm-hmm. And you're a draft. That year they drafted me, uh, me, myself and Bonzi Wells, but they traded Bonzi Wells to Portland. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. So he was in Portland. And so you go to training camp. It's just like a training camp camp you making the team i mean your drills and you know two a days two a days for a couple of weeks and then they mile it down because until the first week second third week you're gonna start playing preseason games mm-hmm. and so this is where they see how you can pick stuff up fast how fast you can fit into the cohesion of the team and the flow on how they play mm-hmm. if your skill set truly maxes up to what we're gonna require you to need you to do in the games and so and it's just like one of those cutthroat man one of those mm-hmm. cutthroats people and everybody wants to go to the league they're not ready to go mm-hmm. because they couldn't deal with what's about to come mm-hmm. meaning every day you're on the wire care who you are you don't want to get traded either right you just mind you just got settled you're just this you're just that mm-hmm. so it's it's truly a business but it's one of those real true factors in life that if you put into your business, which is yourself, what you should, mm-hmm. you'll always be successful no matter how the outcome comes because you know you put your all, mm-hmm. you know, so. Sure, sure. Um, and I think something that I've kind of read and heard about is like you you competed. Like you didn't get necessarily a ton of playing time, but you competed. I mean, 
gave Grant Hill run for his money on a daily basis. And ass, I'm sorry. I mean, and that's just true. Yeah. Because who want, I, I, I mean, and I used to have, I had the same mentality and attitude a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Not in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Challenge, fight, compete. Mm-hmm. And so I just always had that. I didn't come to ride the bench. Mm-hmm. So in practice, if they call me picking on them, and, but Jeb Bushler and mm-hmm. shouts out to Steve Henson is my, he's from, you know, McPherson. Mm-hmm. He was my teammate. I got to do it. I got to do it. And so I just would, that's where I played. That was my game. Mm-hmm. And Charles O'Bannon, I had good teammates. Yeah. Good at motivating me and probably bad at to the limps and the strengths of how they would take it. Says, you know, some days they come in and say, hey, you know, you got to get in his ass today. Shit, we're going to, you know, we going to New York. You got to get in his, and I just, literally, like the book said, and like the interviews have been written that, mm-hmm. My assistant coach said, you see how he locked Grant down today? I lock his ass up, mm-hmm. literally. Because in my heart, I knew that was a mentality that I had to have. And that's why I got the respect I got on the team. Mm-hmm. Because I was the young fella. Mm-hmm. I abided by all the rookie rules. Joe Dumars, you know, got the donuts. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sports are... The team's a little clicked off sometimes. Yeah. So Joe Dumars was somebody that I was probably communicate with more than any of the veterans. Lloyd Vault, Bison Daly, rest in peace. Christian Leitner, Khalid Reeves, and Charles O'Bannon. Ten, you know, we were all maybe second team and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we used to, man, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And now you're bringing it back. But that's the same drive and attitude I try to put in the players that yeah. – of today that I work with, I mean, no matter your if it's your best friend, you should really beat him down mm-hmm. because he's going to get better. Yeah, it makes everybody better. And even if it requires you at some point in time to say, "Look, if I don't do this, guess what it's doing to me?" Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm killing us both. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and for sure. So I need you to get in me more. Yeah. And so it's got to be that back and forth. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you had 13 points in 15 minutes across a few games. So I guess where's the disconnect between getting that playing time? Like you were doing great in practice. Why why are you not getting more time on the court? I ain't going to bash him. But, you know, it's about a coach's responsibility and sure. coach's decision-making. And yeah. I grew up with this. I mean, not grew up, but I got uh, drafted by a tradition coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I mean, we really didn't see eye to eye Maybe a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, but one thing I really liked is that people got to read what I did in practice, not from me. Mm-hmm. You heard that from other people. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you would have to ask that question: Why not? You know, sometimes you get on the wrong side of the coach, and this—that's sure, just—I mean, sure. that's one of those things you play. I mean, you pay, and it's crazy when. I had a statistician average my points. I would have led the team in scoring the way I scored when mm-hmm. I got in with no time left on the clock, yeah. scoring 6.7 points. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, dang, what if he got 15 points? Right. I'd go for 20. Mm-hmm. I'd get 20 points because I'm going to get 10 rebounds easily. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rebounds. For sure. So scoring is when kids realize scoring is putting the ball in the hoop at the closest rate 
the highest speed possible, meaning getting to the basket and putting it in there. The Steph Curry shot is the toughest shot, the longest shot, mm-hmm. the slowest shot. So I just learned that. Mm-hmm. And so I would literally, you know, a lot of plays require you to, in the rotation, take the jump shot. But as you see, like, there's some players that when they swing it to him, just, I'm putting my head down, boom, boom, and when, going airborne. Because that's challenging the back rotation. Mm-hmm. Which, like a lot of times, John Hammond and Gar Klein heard, rest in peace, he's dead. His son was also a player. He played, remember he's famous for hitting that shot mm-hmm. against Boston. Mm-hmm. That's him with the Suns. Sure. That crushed Boston. That's, that's Gar Klein heard. He'd always say, it's not about when you score in these practices. He used to tell me things. I mean, people used to tell me what I needed to do without me saying, mm-hmm. you know, I knew what it meant. If you let him keep catching it, like just that, okay, bet. Mm-hmm. Lock and trail. What? What is he? Right-handed or left-handed? He's left-handed, okay. Like, it taught me how to guard him. Mm-hmm. You don't learn how to guard him within one season. No, Nobody can say master, and in the NBA game, you make stuff as tough as possible mm-hmm. for people to score. And it's either done in a number of ways. Speed, staying in front of them, power, or length. Mm-hmm. Who's longer, your length against his? And so, I'm sorry, I just got deep into that. No, that's awesome. I love I'm tuned in now. I'm kind of. Oh, I love it. I love it. Take over. No, you're good. Uh, so, your rookie year ends. Uh, what happens after that? Uh, that summer, we had workouts and stuff like that. It traded my rights to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And which was happy, but I knew it wasn't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And then the Sixers drafted Jermaine Jones. And so I, they invited me to camp. And it was me, Miss Guy Turkin, Jermaine Jones. Oh, and they drafted another kid named Todd McCullough. Do you remember the big kid? I'm not sure. White and redhead. Okay, yeah, yeah. With, he, he backed up Matt Geiger. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. And so it came to one of those situations, excuse me, where it's like, man, it becomes a numbers thing. Mm-hmm. And so I finished the training camp in the preseason, and I got cut there. Mm-hmm. And so now this is when there was a round with all the minor leagues, CBA, I, IBL, mm-hmm. and those leagues like that. So I went to Richmond, which is an IBL team. Okay. They had a coach named Ralph Sampson. And I think what happened with him, it's like I was coming from the Sixers in the NBA. So a couple of our first games, I mean, I came out killing 26, 28. And then it's kind of like I have to keep like explaining to everyone, yes, I can play power forward, but I don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put me there. Right. And this is where, like, it's one of them tough things where when you have to tell a player, like, you have to sometimes play where it's best suited for the team. Sure. So I went back to high school at a 6'7 senior. I mean, 6'7 center. Mm-hmm. So then after that year, I go to Rock for Lightning. I meet Stacy King. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I know what you've been dealing with. Talk to your agent. But we're going to show them that you can play power forward out of the triangle offense. Mm-hmm. 
I said, oh, really? He's like, yeah. We'll show them that you can score. We know you can score. But they want you to keep scoring with your back to the basket, backing down these big guys. I'm going to put you in the triangle offense. I'm going to put you in these two spots mm-hmm. where Robert Horry gets all this money and where he hit those championship shots from him, put you where Kobe is coming off of that, getting that isolation one-on-one. This is how you're going to show the NBA and show them in the league how you can score from not only there, from here, from there. Because mm-hmm. the triangle offense is not require a bunch of ball handling. Sure. So, all right, let's do it. So I lead the CBA. I'm defensive player of the year, lead the CBA in blocks. Average like 15, 16. We go to the finals against Bernie Bickerstaff, St. Louis Swarm. To make a long story short, we lost in the best of five series. Mm-hmm. Of course, 3-2. Mm-hmm. We pushed them to this game five. And that summer I go to play in the summer league with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And... It's crazy. I think I had a good summer league. I averaged like 14 mm-hmm. and some change playing in this offense, though. Mm-hmm. The Lakers only invite so many people to their camp. Cause sure. Now, this is the old school Lakers. Not This is old school Lakers. Luke Walton's in college still. <laughs> I'm just keeping yeah, yeah. it real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't no, nobody's a Rick Fox. This is the Lakers, Lakers. So uh-huh. that last championship. Uh-huh. So... I go there, play in the summer league, go back to vet camp, get cut. And I'm like, man, I think this is where. And so Stacy convinced me to go to the CBA one more year. I went to Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Average like 16, 18, but didn't want to finish the season because this is where you just keep missing out on overseas opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I played about six, eight games and Gave that big long knock mm-hmm. down the hotel, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, What do you want? I'm like, Man, Stace. He's like, I don't, man, don't you? I'm not going to say the words. Tell me. I said, Man, I, you know. But he knew the time, mm-hmm. you know, as a young man, professionally, <clears throat> profit is something that's required. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the CBA, anytime you play in the United States, it's just, it's never been worth it. Unless you play in the NBA, even the G League, some of those guys, you see they go overseas, mm-hmm. go to the G League. They don't have to. Right. They want to. They want to stay in the States. Yeah. But they're still able to work all kind of deals because you can treat it like NIL-ish. Mm-hmm. Not coming from a school, but from private. And you can market right. yourself. And so that would be worth it to stay. Yeah. But a lot of times overseas has been more of a better outcome for players mm-hmm. you know I think the U.S. is starting to realize that they're losing a lot mm-hmm. losing basketball to the world yeah I think it's always been interesting uh, like I mentioned I knew Tiffany in high school Tiffany Bias and then like Jalen Agnews from Andover and mm-hmm. she's in uh, with the dream I think right now but like a lot of those girls go play overseas because the money I mean WNBA is kind of crap pay and so they go overseas it's like even the girls are making more money overseas so it's interesting yeah. the dynamic of like the world game versus the usa it is i mean they what women's league you have here besides the w nba mm-hmm. yeah. you if you tax the two 225 mm-hmm. 
And that's a big contract in the WNBA. Right. 225? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them would be like, who's making that? You know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to be insulting. No, but, for sure. But yeah. we're just going high, 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 high. Yeah. That's what they left with. Yeah. But still take care of family and kids. Yeah. A lot of them, they play, so they have to have, quote, unquote, help. Yep. You know? Yep. If they're not married, but he's probably a business. I mean, he's got his own endeavors and responsibilities to bring to the table as a family if she's married. Mm-hmm. So it's just the back and forth. I yep. think the U.S. is going to realize it. Or world basketball. They're going to, I mean, it's not catching up, but mm-hmm. we got to stay ahead. Which, again, back to the NIL, it's interesting seeing how much some of these girls are making. I mean, I don't know, again, I don't know what the top WNBA player makes, but some of these college girls are probably making more than the top college girls are making more now. Let's see real quick, just to have fun real fast. Oh, go for it, yeah. Pull that up, Jamie. Let's see. Highest WNBA salary. It's kind of bad when it doesn't tell you right off the bat. (laughs) I think I saw the minimums. Tarasi. 75 maybe two 234 wow yeah yeah that's wild salary what? rankings i'm sorry no you're fine jewel lord at 234 yeah so just under 235 is the highest for anybody yeah so that's why i said about 225 was going to be like a and that's the league minimum is right. 500 yeah that's crazy. And I saw a statistic. I think it was either LeBron or Steph, which is obviously like the number one guys, but like they make more than like the whole WNBA times some amount. Like it's ridiculous. It's which I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it is it. what it is. But that's it's wild. Uh, based on our data, it appears that the composition range, the compensation range for a head coach at the NBA is between fifty eight thousand and eighty five. With the average salary of seventy one. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, so after CBA, you play around the world a little bit. Did you have a favorite place to play? I mean, you bounced around Australia, Russia, China. I like China. Interesting. I really like China. How long like, were you there? Five years. That's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I like China. China was nice. Yeah, where is that? Really nice. I guess I don't know China, Shanghai or somewhere. Where, where I you was at? played. I lived in Daxing, which is Harbin. Lived in Guangzhou, Hangzhou, south of. Uh, southern China by Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Lived in the, Sij- uh, the Sichuan province of Shandu. That's where the pandas, mm-hmm. hot food is. Mm-hmm. Tangshan, I lived in Tangshan. That's outside of Beijing. Ta- mm-hmm. Tianjin is the city. Mm-hmm. Huge millions. Okay. <laughs> Every city in China sure. is big. Yeah, We only hear about Shanghai, right, right. Beijing, no. <laughs> Hangzhou, Guangzhou. Yeah. Huge Shenzhen. Yeah, yeah. They got some huge cities. Shandu is, I mean, all huge Qingdao off the coast. Like, beautiful. Yeah. Man. yeah. But I really like China. I yeah, really yeah. enjoyed this. How did, how, were, how did they treat you as a basketball player? That's why I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I mean, Russia was nice too. Yeah. I mean, the basketball was great and the people were good to me in Russia. Australia was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed China, though. Yeah. I my, did. My cousin lived over there for a couple of years, or maybe six months. Maybe it wasn't quite a year. But uh, he's, I mean, a 6'2 white guy. And he said people were, like, turning heads to look at him. I'm sure you, you drew some heads as well. <laughs> Man, of course. Yeah. I mean, and when you go there, 
you know, you're living there for months, so mm-hmm. you just become part of the community. Sure, yeah. All little kids come running up. That's really cool. Kalyan, 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 Kalyan. Say, hey, and you know, you you got the little markets or something. Mm-hmm. And you would just tell the translator, listen, tell them, get them a little ice cream thing. And then they give them 20 minutes. Oh, thank you, Shishi. Shishi. Mm-hmm. And then you're a superstar. You go, man, that's how so you that's so say, cool, do you man. always do that? I said, listen, when you do that, all the people going to love you. Oh, yeah. And when you got the people, you in. So yeah. that's when you cool. come play our team, they really used to throw bottles, water bottles, all that. They, they get the rocking I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And they, like, a lot of uh, CBA teams, mm-hmm. the arenas aren't just downtown in the city, they're outside. So a lot of the countryside people get to come. Mm, and that's cool. Like, other small villages around yeah. there come. And I'm talking about, they get crazy. I that's didn't cool. see fights for real. Mm-hmm. You foul. I didn't see people coming to the translator all the time. I said, did you tell Cody on us? What is he saying? He says, he will defend you at any cost. Oh, what? <laughs> what he's he saying something else to him. And I said, what else he say? He's seen the disruption on the court. You know, disruption. You know, sure, every, sure. every word in Chinese won't translate into yeah, yeah. English word. So you have to compound what he's saying. Mm-hmm. His honor is amongst his whole family at this point, meaning he got to do it for his family. The honor, he going to do it to make his family, you know I mean? They tough. I said, man, tell him he's all right. We're going <laughs> to wait till next game. Is he coming next game? He said, he's coming next game. He said, oh, you give him five or something, man. They just, yeah. man, I, not that they treated me like that. They, they, they were just good people, hospitable. Yeah. I mean, peaceful. Sure. With me, at least. I mean, you know. For sure. You see, they get the games, get rowdy. They players. They play physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in their country, so some of them got that attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. You're going to take over our league. <laughs> so had a couple of them Grand Hill scuffles yeah. over there, too. But they just come with the game. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so kind of looking back, how, how do you view, or how did you then, how do you view it now, the NBA age limit? Because I remember, I think I was in – early middle school maybe when uh, I think it was like through the fire. It was about Sebastian Telfair mm-hmm. and like he was like the last guy to kind of make it to, or well, to go make the jump. They got themselves in a the predicament. Now. I mean, NIL, mm-hmm. good let jumping. This is guaranteed to make big money. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you this. It's civilly, it's a right. You can come to play any sport whenever you want. I mean, they can make rules and regulations, but they're not for other sports. Mm-hmm. Basketball is the only sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, football is almost insane. You wouldn't want to put. Yeah, why would you? Yeah. You don't want to, you're not going to have him put him a suicide helmet on and say, he's ready. He's so fast. Look, he's running a 4 3. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Until, until the kicker hits him. Yeah. <laughs> Let him go heads up with our kicker. The kicker like fire from him. I mean, so, but with basketball, it's just like soccer. Freddie Adu's about my age, a little younger than me. Freddie Adu about three, four years younger than me. I remember Freddie. Mm-hmm. Freddie signed with DC United at 16 mm-hmm. for the half a million. He's that good. Yeah. Why should he have to go to college? For what? To blow his knee out? Right. 
Pay the kid now, and the kid did good. Went played all over the world. MSL legend. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I believe the age limit should. I mean, but they've re, they've established the G League. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what then? That might happen is a bunch of high schoolers just want to come out. So I really just feel like if they want to come out, the talent is there. Mm-hmm. Reasonable understanding of what you're getting yourself into, man. Sure. I don't care what you want to do. Can can you do this? Right. Let them come out. Yeah, I I agree. Um, what are you up to now? Are you coaching now? What are you doing to do this? So um, my greatest achievement is became a Shriner this past weekend. Congratulations! Um, working with the youth. Pushing the programs, I'm trying. To, I'm starting with one and done. Mm-hmm. I'm taking, just not basketball training, but combining and contrasting the two, and putting them along social skill teaching. Really getting trainers and coaches to understand the vital time, the hour and a half is mm-hmm. of pushing these social skills along with the basketball. Mm-hmm. You're not breaking. Practice to sit down and come talk about communication. You're showing and you have to exhibit how to communicate. Mm-hmm. Take them to take them through different exercises that entail on good communication. Mm-hmm. Like team building things. That's social skills. That's all it is. The army, people will see most soldiers as not being social amongst each other. They can work better than anybody in the world mm-hmm. from all branches. Because communication is one of the major things you got to have just amongst each other. And then what I'm doing also is I want to try to start a game alongside the Shrine Bowl game that they have. It's one of our biggest projects we're going to put forward. Um, And I think it can be very successful. Um, I think it can become become very popular just alongside the Shrine Bowl. So just doing a lot of work with the shrine, with kids, man, and you know that's always been my passion. Yeah, just to work and help people. So yeah, I love that. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing some basketball training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that always would like to train with me, like you know, people have said, man, I don't see you train a lot of people. It's kind of like one of those karate type things. You don't see them send out pamphlets to the dojo and stuff like that. You got to come. Mm-hmm. You got to come. Mm-hmm. And when you come meet the master, then he'll start schooling you. <laughs> but you never know who's in need. Sure. So one thing I urge people, if they have questions, ask your coaches, your you know your you know your high school coaches and middle school. It should start there. Mm-hmm. That guy spends four years with you. Traditionally, he usually gets to know you. You build a relationship with your coach. Mm-hmm. You want to build the relationship with him. AAU basketball has pushed to where. It goes through AU, mm-hmm. and it actually doesn't. There are a lot of AU coaches that are very valuable, very persuasive, and very, um, what I say, they hold weight mm-hmm. across the nation with colleges. Yes, of course. His validation holds weight, but they're going to always come back to your high school coach because they want to know your character, the yep. growth, where it took for him to get here. Coach may have to say, I'll tell you what, a couple nights, Got a couple phone calls, not bad ones. They were from him. You know, coach, man, I really want this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, coach, I'm just, man, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to ask you, am I taking the protein right? You know, am I, yeah. am I supplementing right? That's when you knew the kid wanted it. Sometimes those college coaches want to hear that. So you better be good to your high school coach if you're a student athlete out there. Mm-hmm. Stay close to him because what happens is your last decision making on where you go, it's going to go through him. You just may not know. And he's not going to be the guy that's going to cut it off. He's going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And that's why you should always be honest with your high school coaches, your middle school coaches, as well as your AAU coaches. They all three, well, once you got out of high school, I mean, once you got out of the middle school, he's over. But if you're in middle school, your middle school coach should be able to work hand in hand with your mm-hmm. middle school AAU coach. If there's bickering and feud there, the sign is that's not the AAU program for you to be in. Mm-hmm. If your high school coach feel like any program is not a program you should be in, my mom trusted Coach Allen well enough. I didn't. I only went to Hartgrave because he gave me the blessing. Right. That's, that's true. That's the world knows it. People that know me will say he's not lying. They know my family. Mm-hmm. Myron Piggy, Scott Shepard, they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. If I had to get a blessing from Coach Allen. Coach Allen came to my grandparents' house and gave it. My parents understood how important he was to my growth and development in life. This far, how could you not? If the man would have said, I'm going to tell you this now, everything that they sell in there, he can do it here. We're going to do it here. No, I want him to stay, he said. And you know what? This is the time. He's almost gotten... I mean, maybe I had to be the litmus test for our city and the media and how you really supposed to expose and hype up the player. But I didn't get my I didn't get what I deserved here at all. Mm-hmm. At all. There was a time where it was out. Even before Hargrave, I was going to leave and go to Kansas City. I could have went to Pembroke Hill or any of those schools with Jerron. Mm-hmm. I could have played at Raytown South with my cousin, Piggy, Myron Piggy Jr., that I was going to do after my sophomore year. You know, and one thing I understand with working with kids is I never make a difference. Some of the kids that's listening to this going to hear it. I got a couple kids I named. I'll say their names because y'all don't know who they are. Poindexter and a couple. Sweetwater them. I gave them names because they were special. They made the team because they were special, not because you were a good basketball player. The team needed you for the person you were. Mm -hmm. That's why I chose you Mm -hmm. and you remained. When I had that talk with them, it broke them down. Mm -hmm. Because basketball is a a combination of a family. Family got to have a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody can't be the tough jock big brother. I'll get him. Who's been mad? No, we got power forwards. We got to have people who can, quote unquote, bridge them gaps. Mm-hmm. Teams are clicked up because personality is so different. It's really like 11 different clicks because mm-hmm. every di- personality from one to 11 is different. With a good coach, I think, and my advice to them is to find everyone one through 11. Mm-hmm. Seriously. And most of the drills, you're looking at the worst guy. Because you're seeing who gonna motivate him, who gonna pull him through, who gonna, oh man, hurry up. 
Mm-hmm. See, who gonna do him like that? Mm-hmm. So, and then you're evaluating your top guy. You want to see if you're challenging the low guy on the end enough. Because mm-hmm. you got to pick your weight. Mm-hmm. We're not, no. Help him over. If it's like that big old wall we got to climb in the army, you know how it's like they got to form the chain. Mm-hmm. We're all jump, yeah. but you got to hold my feet to brace me from not falling this way, yep. but not him pulling you over. And then we pull you. You say, I got him. Mm-hmm. We let you go. He comes over. We lean him way down the over end. That's how that works in that drill. And that's how a team's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. I love hearing your perspective on coaching. I think that's important for the next generation of Wichita. Um, I think something that you've touched on either today or in past interviews is just you've achieved greatness. But what's even better than that is seeing the next generation exceed that greatness and go to the next level. And I think that's awesome. I tell every kid I work with, this is the truth, bro. You too. Any, even your friends, I tell my friends this, so they can stay motivated, stay encouraged at a time of falling short or confusion or any of that. Mm-hmm. I have won enough for us all, and I've lost enough for us all. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is be you. What's in your heart, strive for that. Don't strive for the status quo, because that's set by somebody else. What's yours? Yours may be even far superior, or you may it may even su- surpass that. So you look within you for what you want. Every kid I work with, I tell them, don't worry about how well he does it. Don't worry about how well he does it. He got his own status quo. You got to establish yours. And then we as people, that's how we motivate each other. Mm-hmm. Because we all really learn like Jordan was one of those people that people thought didn't wouldn't, didn't talk a lot. He talked a lot of crap, but in practice, he practiced hard, and it was called constructive recognition. You can see it. It's construct right in front of me. I'm seeing him run fast. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing him bust his tail. It, it gravitates. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. So when you bust your tail at work, somebody else is going to do it. Don't think that, you know, some people say, oh, no, I don't want to show them up. That's the worst trait to have in sports. Mm -hmm. You want to show everybody up. Not to show how well you can be, to show them how well they can be Mm -hmm. if they work this hard. Sure. Yeah, I love love that. Uh, I just got one more question for you. Uh, I asked this one to everybody. Why I wear a cowboy hat now? Oh. Yeah, that was the one. I just, I just, the boost cowboy hat. There you go. Cushion, Oklahoma, man. I'm an only child. My grandparents... Raised me. Okay. My mom, I was raised in my grandparents' house. It's only a two-minute story. Every other weekend, both both my grandparents are from Cushing and Brooksville. Mm-hmm. Cushing, we heard of that, was the old, old you know, yeah, where the yeah. old center of Oklahoma right there. Brooksville, 16 houses, country, mm-hmm. cowboys. Mm-hmm. That's all I grew up seeing my whole life. I'll show, I'll show you a picture. All right. Real quick, and you're going to say, wow, this is why I wear the cowboy hat. Because the man that raised me, I seen him wearing this thing every day. It was crazy. Here you go. (laughs) I never can find it when I need to find it. Here it is, right here. They probably, man, he got a lot of people in his phone. No, just got a whole bunch of. Pictures everywhere, mm-hmm. like pictures from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the guy that raised me. I don't know if the camera can get a good vision of that if you can zoom in. But that's why I wear that cowboy hat. There it is, yep, cowboy hat. That's me in the sixth grade, going to the sixth grade. I was in the fifth, going to the sixth grade. Uh huh. That's, that's a great We in Cushion, Oklahoma, yeah. going to a rodeo. That's a great picture. So I then reincarnated my grandpa in me. I, I bet a lot of people don't know that. He's one of the best men so. I knew, man. That's awesome. Raised me. Carry it on. I love it. Um, last question. What does Wichita mean to you? Wichita. Wichita, you know I love you. And you know I hate you sometimes. That's just life. I'm just joking. Wichita is the place of peace. I mean, you come here and raise your family, man. And sometimes I, I say what I said about hating Wichita because sometimes the news and then the rest of the country sees a side of this city that's not our city. Isolated incidents cause reasoning for people to, to judge in a different way, man. This city, you come raise your kids here. You come establish friendships here. I have friends that moved here that I didn't even know before white, black, mm -hmm. Hispanic, Asian. This is a place where you can come and get the best education in the country, in the middle of the map. Mm -hmm. Everything, we have a little bit of everything here. Wichita was just home for me. Could never, <laughs> I'm gonna say it probably, man, I could never live anywhere else. I lived all around the world with different people from those countries and I never found people better than the people here in Wichita. And that's real. And they'll say I'm saying it because I'm from here, but from the person that thinks he hates, from the person that thinks he hates for this reason, all you do is find a reason to love that person mm -hmm. in Wichita, man. There's no barriers here. They're invisible. Mm -hmm. They really are because a person will welcome you in their home if they don't know you, if you need help, it's cold. I mean, these things have happened to me. Mm -hmm. Help me with a tire. Two people. Mm -hmm. You know that saying they say, do the test. Have two people act like the car stopped. One person has got it in neutral. <laughs> Struggling, trying. To, and then the other person is just sitting in the car looking, texting. Who the people gonna stop for first? The person that look like they're helpless or the person that's trying to help themselves. Sure. Yeah. And Wichita is that people. Man, if you try, they'll build it for you. Mm -hmm. They'll finish the project for you. So Wichita is my home. Wichita is where I walk forever. Uh support, claim, and of course push people to move here. Mm -hmm. The air capital of the world. Mm -hmm. We got good basketball. They talk about Kansas City barbecue. We got good barbecue here, too. <laughs> we got one thing better than both those things, man. We got good people here. We got the best people, I think, in the United States of America. People come here and say, I never knew it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kansas? Well, then quit driving right by going to Oklahoma City and Kansas City. Stop through here. If you're going through I-70, we've uh, 100, what, an hour and 10 minutes from Salina, right? Mm -hmm. You come down an hour and 10 minutes, you won't regret. Mm -hmm. Bypass, come through Wichita. Yep. You'll, be, you'll keep coming. Corleone, appreciate you coming on. Where can people find your info on your camp, your book, uh, you? One and done. Mm -hmm. 
Facebook.com, uh, one and done on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and you can locate me there for training. Got all the information. Perfect. I'll, I'll be sure to share that. But again, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, on. bro. I appreciate it. Uh, good. I love this podcast. If you didn't know, now you know. You need to subscribe, tune in, stay on board. Appreciate it, Corleone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. Check us out on social media at Wichita Life ICT or our website, wichitalifeict.com. Huge thanks to Jake B for editing and producing our podcast. Have a good one and we'll see you next time.